The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. happening welcome to another mock draft podcast i am your host nick pollock and joining me today is christopher weber you might know him as schwebzy or as the lead moderator of the pictureless plus discord weber it's good to see you hi nick and hi friends out there um i i appreciate the head mod thing as i continue to fall upwards in the uh, the pictureless world <laughs> I mean, I mean, look, there are a couple of things here. One, I, if you heard me take a moment before I said your name, it's because I want to say Schwebzy and I didn't, it's, it's Weber, but ironic I, since I you know, killed Schwebzy, <laughs> I didn't kill him. Okay. Look, when you become a pitchless staffer, you can't be known as a nickname. You just have to have your first and last name. If you want to alias name, we've had that before. Fine. But Schwebzy is not an alias name. That's an, that's a gamer tag. Schwebs. It's okay. fine. I'm, I'm going to, I mean, it's fine, but I am going to hold it over you forever. Well, what I am going to hold over you is your accomplishments, accomplishments, accomplishments. I have oh, those. My... <laughs> accomplishments. Okay. I was sick last week and I'm still congested and words are coming out weird. And we're just going to go through this on this podcast, but Schwebzy overhauled the discord uh, last week. It's amazing. It's so much easier if you had joined before and found it very overwhelming we created a system of opting into certain channels. It's so much better than ever before. So I got to give you mad props for that. Same, of course, Miles Nelson, our director of staff that worked with you there and the other moderators that assisted you that night. But um, that's not what we're going to talk about today. We are still doing these mock drafts. It's We're almost through them all. It's you and then I'm recording with Scott Chu later this week. The last two, we're, we're recording this on uh, November 23rd, so I apologize. It's probably going to be about a month or so from now that this will actually go out so there will be things that are dated uh in this podcast but if you're not familiar 23 rounds the 12 teamer standard yahoo that means that otani is two different players we have uh three outfielders two utility spots and it's five games started or 10 games played eligibility five by five average and wins it's a standard as it gets we do this mock draft every year to get a general sense of where things are. And you, Weber, were 12th overall. Did you 
strive to be at the end? Did you just fall here and you had an open spot and you had to take it? How did you feel with the 12th pick? Uh, so part of it was quality of life, if I'm being honest, uh, because in a slow draft, I want to be towards the end uh, just because mm. I have to pay attention half as much. Wow. Um, I feel so special. Right <laughs> I invited you to be a part of this draft where you're like, OK, I want to participate as little as possible. Oh, that's me. That's every fantasy league, isn't it? <laughs> no. Wait, you want to pay attention to more leagues? Yes, but we can't. We want to, but we can't. Right yeah no i i i like being at the turn um because i like yeah yes it's paying attention less but it's also um I, i'm i'm trying to figure out how i want to say this it, it it forces you to kind of take your guys more because uh you, you know you have a full 24 picks before your next pick comes up right so it makes you really, really think about who you really want and take those guys because the ch chances are you're if, you know, if there's a guy that you're thinking about, there's probably someone else thinking about him and they're going to have two more whacks at him before it's your turn again. Absolutely. Yeah, it definitely in those spots, you have to really think, well, who's going to be around uh, 23 picks later? It's really, really tough to gauge that. So you do have to take those reaches more often when we talk about him being a sixth round guy we don't talk about him being the end of the sixth round the beginning of the sixth round we generally think if you're in the five or six spot or so that means that you have to take those chances absolutely uh noted by the way for next year who i invite um well, and i thought this draft was particularly interesting because we all we knew that we were going to be talking about our players after the fact. Sure. So I, I I know I did this and I have a feeling a couple of other people did this too. Like I took guys specifically because I really wanted to talk about them. Well, I look forward to hearing all of that. And by the way, I, you can hear more of Christopher Weber on his podcast in the deep with Jordan White. Uh, it's obviously year round. I, I don't know, actually, if you guys are going to be doing Mondays again. We talked about it. Maybe you are. Maybe you are. Maybe it's Friday next year. It is a weekly podcast on the Pitchless Podcast Network, of course, every other week through the off season. We have a podcast every single day across our 14 different shows. It's kind of wild how many we have. But definitely, of course, give a listen to them. They do great stuff. But here we are. First round, you have the last pick in the 12th. And were you aiming to get Kyle Tucker? I wasn't aiming to get Kyle Tucker. So the picks immediately before me were Bryce Harper, Mike Trout, Mookie Betts. And... I was like, so Otani got picked right before that. And I'm seeing the draft board and I'm like, oh my God, Harper, Trout and Betts are all available. I'm totally going to get one of those guys. Right. And then they all went. So <laughs> let's see. So I went Tucker and then immediately after that, a after my turn went Corbin Burns, Garrett Cole, Marcus Semyon. I'm not taking any of those guys in the first round. I like, I'm not taking a pitcher in the first round this year. I don't think just period. Hey, this is music to my ears yeah I, I i don't i mean you'll see i i waited a good bit on pitching like you and you you strongly you, well we'll get we'll get to my pitchers later but i'm a fan i, I like yeah. what you did i uh, i mean i've talked about a lot where i feel very confident in not going after guys in the first couple of rounds but then again that's my strength some guys yeah. feel really comfortable going after hitters mid to late and picking them up more in season i'm the opposite but Corbin Burns and Cole, often you'll probably see around the end of the first round, and you might be able to get one of Harper, Trout, Bats at the turn. I, one of the things this draft showed me is that I really like a lot of mid-round pitchers. 
but I don't sure. like a lot of 200 plus pitchers. Mm, well, I mean, yeah, our draft, I I don't know if this draft is the best indication. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Because there, there, there's one thing we certainly do as a staff is, well, we, I shout them very loudly <laughs> and it's easy to be aware if you're on staff that I like Josiah Gray and Logan Gilbert, for example, or Patrick Sandoval as I wear a 32 whiffs shirt to our PL meetup. Right. But are they right. going to be going inside the top 200? I don't know yet. I think they deserve to, but they might not be in your standard Yahoo league. Yeah, I guess I shouldn't be surprised that pitching in the, the very late rounds was sparse in a pitcher list mock draft. Right. There were still some really nice picks, though, and we'll talk about all those later. But let's go back to Kyle Tucker. Yes. Uh, yes. You had a lot of other guys you could have gone with. Ozzy Albies, Marcus Semien, Freddie Freeman, Luis Robert, and uh, Rafael Devers, maybe Amy Aaron Judge. Kyle Tucker to you is is above them all. I know you did pair Ozzy Albies with Kyle Tucker, but is Kyle Tucker still the guy at the top there? Yes, I kind of saw these guys as a pair. Uh, you know, picking twelfth, I got to make two picks immediately after each other. I thought this was just safe, and it's it's like I pick these two guys and I'm locking in like fifty to sixty home runs, forty ish stolen bases. A decent batting average from Tucker. Although, interesting thing about Albies, like when he came up, it was like, oh, this guy has such great bat to ball skills. Uh, he's a, he, he's such a good uh, batting average anchor, but that has not proven to be true as he hits for more and more power. Uh, that it, right, two fifty nine average for Ozzy Albies this past year, two seventy one twenty twenty and two ninety five in two thousand nineteen. Yeah, so the batting average has uh, ticked down as the power has come up, but I still like. The thing about Tucker and Albies is that these are everyday players in strong lineups. And so Tucker is an interesting case with the lineup spot because the Houston Astro lineups is so strong that he hit like sixth and seventh a lot last year. That that should probably change. I mean, Correa likely gone. Yes, uh, of course, is going to shake that up a little bit. Yeah. So uh, Tucker was actually their best hitter this past year by like. Woba, uh, WRC plus, X Woba, everything. So, as it's pretty wild that he was hitting six and seven sometimes. A uh, hundred times, a hundred times he hit sixth or seventh. That that's absurd. I mean, I, yeah. I, I will say I remember entering twenty twenty one drafts and seeing Tucker in the third, fourth round or so, and think this is ridiculous. I mean, I am the old curmudgeon that refuses to take non proven guys. Uh, with nine home runs and eight stolen bases and the 268 average in 2020, a lot of people said, look, the Astros are a fantastic lineup. Tucker will be inside of that. He has legit 30-20 potential. Stick with this, Naked. What do you know? 30 home runs, 14 stolen bases, only 83 runs. That's, of course, the lineup and the fact there's only 140 right. games. Uh, but 92 RBI with that 294 average. I guess my biggest question with Tucker, I mean, he took a massive step forward with his strikeout rate down to 16%, which is excellent. Love while it. Also boosting the, the, the walk rate to 9%, uh, only 9.4 swing strike rate for Tucker. All excellent stuff. Is actually his pull percentage dropped to 36% as opposed to 51 in 2020, yet the home runs were still there at 30. This seems like a very balanced guy, but was this just, uh, just a random good season or were there really... You know, how confident are you that this is a plateau as opposed to a peak for Kyle Tucker? Very confident. Uh, 
we've been waiting for this from Tucker. We've been waiting for him to get a full season. We've been waiting for him to get just the, the, so I'll admit to being briefly out on Tucker in, uh, I want to say it was the 2019 playoffs because I watched him just get absolutely overwhelmed by some fastballs in, in the playoffs. But at that point we were talking about like a 22 year old in his first taste of the playoffs. And I'm completely like all of that is washed away. Like after, after this whole year and the improvements that he's made uh, in his first shot at, well, I guess uh, 2020, he did have full-time plate appearances. I got that, that, that wonky 2020 year throws me off every time I'm looking at the Fangraphs <laughs> pages. Yeah. It's this weird footnote every, every single time. I mean, I will also say Kyle Tucker's going to be 25 this next year. And mm-hmm. that certainly is a point is in favor. In his favor, if I can say it. Yeah, I mean, players are peaking earlier, but 25 is still, you know, mid-prime. Right. Okay, so Kyle Tucker does seem like he's a definitive uh, end of first, early second player, power and speed with average as well. And you mentioned the runs that he was hitting in front of like Chaz McCormick and Martin Maldonado. I mean, shouldn't you have 100 runs doing that? Okay, right. He's going to be in a better situation this year. Uh, but So you said that this was a pairing with Ozzy Albies as Tucker had the 294 average while, well, Albies around 260 this past year, but 30 home runs, 20 stolen bases, over 200 combined runs in RBI as he eclipsed 100 on each of them. Uh, the Atlanta lineup is going to be, I hope, roughly the same. Uh, they have, I believe, a free agents. Oh man, I don't. Oh, this outfield. How many of them are free agents? All of them. Soler, Duvall, Soler, Rosario. Duvall, Rosario, Freeman. All free. Okay. Oh yeah, Freeman too. You have Acuna waiting at least until May. Uh, it's not going to be as good of a group around him. Or maybe it will be. We don't know at this point. But you took Albies before you found out. Uh, walk me through this. All right, so I, I'm going to say something that is going to contradict my pick. I don't no. think <laughs> I don't think Albies is a particularly <laughs> good hitter at this point, but he's a fantastic fantasy asset. Okay, that makes sense. So you're saying that you don't think he's going to give you about a 275 average or more, but uh, yeah. he's going to be. Uh, I mean, 310 OBP doesn't help as far right. as the runs go. Uh, but 156 games, 158 and 160 are his last three full seasons and then of course 2020 was 29 i believe there was some covid stuff involved there maybe it was an injury i gotta refresh my memory on that one but well so this is this is kind of like the opposite of tucker as far as opportunity because he hit in the top four spots in the lineup in all but five of the games he played this year and in those five games he hit fifth so do that what would you do (laughs) would you do that week albies he gets the opportunity like 700 plate appearances of being an okay hitter in a decent lineup in the top five spots like he's going to get the counting stats and the major element here that i've uh harped a lot is you have to figure out who your guys are at second base i'm not as much at first base but i think a little bit at third base more so than say shortstop as well because albies Semyon, altuve Marte, brandon lau uh, I feel like there's one more that I'm forgetting. Oh, Mookie Betts and, Ma- and Max Muncy. Um, but that's not 12. And Jazz Chisholm and Tommy Edmond, DJ LeMayhew doesn't get as pretty as you want it to be later on. Javier Baez is another one in the sixth round of this draft. 
you got to figure out who your second baseman uh, targets are when you enter your drafts. Ozzy Albies, he's the second one off the board here. If you want to include Mookie Betts, as you should. Uh, and yeah, he should be going early in the second round. So I don't think there's really too much to say about this. I don't think anyone really disagrees much with the assessment of Albies as he'll get a lot of opportunities. He'll hit for a good amount of power. You hope to get 15 to 20 stolen bases again. And maybe that average comes back up. Maybe. But third round is the one that I'm very interested in here. Because I remember so distinctly around this time last year, maybe a little bit later, uh, the Mets. Well, Schwebzy here is a Met fan. Uh, why he chose to be a Met fan living in the New York City area, I don't know. I was a five-year-old and wanted to be happy in life and chose the Yankees. You chose the Mets oh, for whatever reason. It, it was because my dad was a Yankee fan, and, and I, had a, I had a rebellious moment during the uh, 2000 what Subway Series. that was. I was a Yankee uh, fan up until then. So here was, was Weber, little Weber. Uh, a year ago. Yes, your little Weber a year ago for some reason. And I remember you saying so distinctly, I do not want them to sign Lindor. There are all of these shortstops in 20, entering 2022 that we can sign. We don't need to get Lindor on this massive contract. What do they do? They sign him for $300 million plus, I believe it's 330 Is that right, Weber? You would know. Ish, 330 ish. Something like that. 330 and change. And <laughs> uh, 341 over 10 years. <laughs> You are irate. You are upset, enraged. Lindor, what does he do this year? 20 home runs, 10 stolen bases, 230 average, 73 runs, 63 RBI in 125 games. And what do you do? You draft him at the end of the third. Yeah, yeah. This was this was his worst season as a major leaguer so far. Uh, and I didn't care in this draft because... <laughs> Uh, we're talking about a player who a year ago, a year before this draft was going in the second round and nobody blinked at that. And we're also talking about a player who after, uh, let's see from June 1st through, through the end of the year, Lindor put up a 124 WRC plus uh, 252, 340, 482 slash line. And that would have been, what the second best year of his career, uh, uh, basically a tie for the second best year offensive year of his career. He was fine after June. He took two months to acclimate. It happens. I'm not worried about this in the slightest. And I think this end of the third round was a reach. People are going to get him later in the third or in the fourth round because shortstop is so deep and they're going to get what I believe is going to be like a 30-15 shortstop. Like so they're getting- I, I do want to make one point here. Um, if you essentially treat this as the beginning of the fourth, which it is, the same thing, uh, and you don't get a pick until the end of the fifth, before that was Corey Seager and Tim Anderson also going. So it's a, it's a case of, like we mentioned at the top of this, Lindor, Seager, Anderson, if you want to get one of them on your team, you have to do it now. You can't, you can't wait on mm-hmm. it. There's also Wander Franco, who uh, went at the beginning of the sixth round, right after your your picks. Now, if I told you you can get Wander Franco in your next two, or take Lindor now, which would you do? So we we like to throw this meme around the pitcherless Discord. It's like Wander Franco could be anything. He could even be Francisco Lindor. <laughs> <laughs> I I love Wander Franco. Like like. 
everyone else. Uh, I worry about him a little bit from a fantasy perspective. Um, before I'm buying him, I do want to see a little bit of power and speed at the major league level. I, I mean, I, I'm on the same page with you there. I think he's going to be awesome, but I think he might be like like earlier career Tim Anderson at the start where high batting average, low power. Hmm. Well, hopefully, hopefully Franco takes the major stage, especially with this extension that just yeah. happened today. I hope I'm wrong. Uh, I hope he's awesome. Just found out about it. So I uh, hopefully that gets him comfortable and he gets all the playing time and everything is wonderful. So I, I, the reason I ask that is if you're in this position like Chris here, where you're thinking, ah, oh, maybe I want to go after a shortstop or not. Um, it's a tough scenario because you, especially I think in shortstop more than any other position, you really want to play the game of getting in at the right time because there are some, there are so many options uh, that you want to, you know, you want to maybe get Corey Seager in the middle of the fifth or Tim Anderson or, oh, look, there goes Carlos Correa falling a bit, but you normally don't really get a lot of the guys that fall that often where you are at the back end where you get two in a row. Generally it's uh or maybe you get one that fell and one that's a reach in those positions. You're crossing your fingers. It's a shortstop, but you want to get Francisco Lindor. I get it. 20 home runs, 125 games. The power isn't gone. He's still going to steal some bases. 10 is obviously disappointing. Yes. Should be above that, you know, next year in a full year, hopefully 15 to 20. Uh, the 230 average, I think we can all agree, is not going to stick around. Um, should be closer to 260, if not even back to the old days of 277 to 284. You know, it's not a death sentence because he had a 258 in 2020 that Lindor is now destined to be at that or lower. That's not how this works. So hopefully it is better. I hope the Mets are better just for your own sake and baseball's sake, I guess. You know, they're, they're our little brother. We just want them to do well. So that that's that's what I can give you. And what I can also give you is a good transition to your next guy who left the Mets and had some success this past year. I think you should have won the Cy Young. Uh, I'm glad that other people agree. And uh, Zach Wheeler is your fourth round pick. You were saying waiting on pitching. But then you saw Zach Wheeler here, and I guess you couldn't resist. I don't, I don't think waiting until the fourth. Uh, what is this, pick 48? Or no, sorry, pick thirty-seven because it's the swing back. Um, right. I don't, I don't think this is waiting on pitching too much. What is this? The one, two, three, four, five. I, I, yeah, I guess it was only like the uh, seventh pitcher off the board or so, eighth. Um, I mean, we, you you know how good Wheeler is. We all know how good Wheeler is. He's great. I saw the pitchers coming up after him, and. I said, if I, if I'm going to take, if I don't take a picture now, I'm kind of going to hate who my ace is. And you're not wrong here. Um, Wheeler, Sale, Alcantara, Ray, Lance Lynn, Nola, Rodon, Julio Urias, uh, Peralta, and Gaussman all went. And I like a lot of those guys, but I don't want them to be my anchor. Sure. Well, I mean, the ones that were available after were Lucas Giolito, Flaherty, Freed, Castillo. And I understand. Yeah, I'm okay with Flaherty personally. I think that's fine. There's definitely a gap between Zach Wheeler and Jack Flaherty. Right. And I, I saw that cliff or, or, or uh, you know, transition to the next tier. And I, I didn't want to be on the other side of that, uh, that transition. 
Well, that that makes a lot of sense. Uh, the major differences this year for Zach Wheeler, of course, is the 29% strike area with just 5% walk rate. Uh, sub 20% K rate in 2020. So this was a shock to a lot of people as he increases slider usage, 16% to 15%, increased the O swing on at better locations. Uh, so 32% O swing as opposed to 26 is great. Threw it in the zone a ton. 65% strike rate is really good for your slider, your number two pitch. It was it was a really effective offering for him. While the four seamer just carved bats constantly, thirteen percent swing striker for Wheeler's four seamer. Yeah, he's a he's a really good pitcher. Throws a lot of effective strikes. Throws it hard, ninety seven, um, and that outslider usage came with more strikeouts. Um, he goes deep into games. There was a lot of discussion about how Girardi was forced to use Wheeler more often because that Phillies bullpen was so bad. We might not see exactly 213 again because hopefully they get a better bullpen finally in Philadelphia. Sorry for your Mets if that's the case, but I always just want every team to improve. Uh, but still, 200 innings or so, 205, very, very much in the cards for Wheeler. And honestly, I'm looking at the other guys that went earlier on. Corbin Burns hasn't, of course, done that yet. Uh, let's see, Shane Bieber, who knows? Jacob DeGrom, we don't expect that. Max Scherzer could be underneath it given the injuries. There are few pitchers that we expect to hover 200 frames, especially of quality. Zach Wheeler is one of them. He's in my top seven because of that, in that top tier. The fact that you got him at the beginning of the fourth round, that is a seal of approval. Oh, yeah, I loved it. Yeah, I wasn't passing that up. So if Zach Wheeler had been taken, say, you know, at, at the end of the third, right before I took Lindor. Sure. I don't know. I don't know if I would have went pitcher here. I might have waited even longer. You're you're actually going to see me do something similar uh, a, a bit later on in the draft. I'll talk about that later, though. Um, so I don't do rankings. Um, a, a little insight into my process. Um, but I do think that in my own head, I have very defined tiers of like where the uh, where the drop offs are and. Like, uh, you know, there's no rankings, but I do have the like that kind of gut feel of like, there's a drop coming. I need to jump on this now or I or so, I don't so like do, this. You do stankings like you can smell it. Yeah. 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 OK. Cool. Lots of lots of stank in my draft. <laughs> <laughs> well, all right. So Zach Wheeler, the start of the fourth. Then you come back around. You've waited so long. <laughs> And I will say a lot of fantastic players are going in the fourth and fifth round. We're getting near that point of where quality is still great. And then it starts falling off quickly. I think you got maybe the very end of that quality uh, with Cattell Marte and Anthony Rendon. But there's still a big separation between them and Matt Olson, Teoscar Hernandez, George Springer, Paul Goldschmidt, and so on. Austin Riley, Nick Castellanos, your boy. Pete Alonso, I'm sure you were hoping in some way it would come back around. Not a chance. Fellow, fellow Mets fan, Steve uh, took him. <laughs> Steve Giswelli of Wins Above Fantasy. So, Cattell Marte and Anthony Rendon. Now, you already have Ozzy Albies and Lindor. I'm assuming Cattell then becomes an outfielder for you. Yes. Okay. And then you went with Rendon recognizing the third base situation. We'll talk about him in a second. I want you to touch on Marte because not only does this is this an interesting play just for your outfield, but it also makes the second base market worse for everybody else, which I'm wondering if there is some sort of um, article we can do about that actually being an active strategy, where if you go Betts, Albies, Marte, Muncy, 
and you spread them around your team for just for the purpose that other people will have a weaker position at second. Just That's... draft a bunch of second base eligible players and a catcher early, and then everyone else will be scrambling with these replacement right. level players. Well, just I mean, you inherently ruin the quality of second base for somebody and all the closers. Yeah, you gotta get all those. Did start. There's plenty of outfield. There's plenty of starting pitchers. Don't draft I, those. I, I seriously want to see someone show me the data on it. You got to get Javier Baez in there. Uh, <laughs> anyone that is a dual eligible with second base, take them for the non second base position, and we'll see. But all right, anyway, here you are, Kendall Marte. Explain to me why you jumped for Marte. So Marte is a Statcast darling. We all know that. Uh, you you pull up his page on Baseball Savant, and everything is bright red. He hasn't changed as a player. He's been hurt, and he's on a miserable team. But he's still the same baseball murdering player that he always is. I don't see any reason for that to not continue. That's an aggressive description. He's a he does aggressive murderer. things to the baseball. <laughs> 318 average, 14 home runs, 52 runs, 50 RBI, just two stolen bases, a bit disappointing across 90 games and under 400 plate appearances. It does seem that if he's not stealing bases, uh, you got to think that he's only going to really return this kind of value if he has 25 plus home runs. I mean, yes, 318 average, you're expecting a really good average push, but the runs and RBI totals are not going to be elite because it is Arizona. So you got to think 25 home runs with a 300 plus average is what's really pushing him to the fifth round for you. Or really, it's maybe six, let's say. Yeah, I mean, I, I honestly think it's the playing time over the past couple of years that pushed him down this far. Like he missed a quarter of the year in 2020. He missed a, a third of the year in 2021. And I think people are kind of forgetting how good he is. And I also, uh, you know, th- thinking of this team I, and you know, a, I picked him because I wanted to bring that up that people that he shouldn't be falling this far, but also from like a actual team building perspective, I think Cattell Marte gives you a really nice batting average floor. He definitely does. Uh, that, that's really the thing that's pulling him up. But I should give more credit for the runs. Uh, Steamer has projected 92, 377 OBP. It's not like he's going to hurt you in it. I mean, it should be 80 to 90. Sounds about right there. Uh, maybe Arizona gets better. Maybe something happens. Uh, I don't think so. They're to their, <laughs> that is a, that sure that was, is a baseball team. That was a Schwebzy piece. <laughs> that was a, uh, no, that's not going to happen in the yeah. slightest, Nick. Um, but yeah, Kettle Marte, Cattell Marte, I should say. Uh, I don't know if he's necessarily a target for me for second base. It is really if you think, look, I'm going to be taking some average sucks earlier on. I will pair it effectively. Um, now say like Eloy Jimenez, cause you are using him in the outfield, right? This is what you're doing with Marte. Eloy Jimenez, not on the average side, but you got to think more home runs, more RBI. Was there a decision of, no, I think it's better for me to chase average in runs at this point. Uh, it was a combination of just wanting to talk about Marte. Okay. We all like a player who has multi-position eligibility in <laughs> fantasy baseball, and you don't know when, why I'm laughing. I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry. It's okay. I'm not going to explain it. There was an edit and I'm laughing and it's great. We all do enjoy that. We all enjoy flexibility in fantasy baseball. We, yes. we sure do love a flexible player. Uh, and when one of those positions is second base, it's a bonus because we, we talked about how shallow that position is this year. Um, 
I think Marte is just one of those players that he's got that MVP upside. Like, sure. I, I, he, mean, I think he's, he has to get, he has to be in a better position for him to really overwhelm us with runs and RBI is the thing though. Yeah. I mean, I, in, in my head, like, and like MVP upside just means he can hit 300 with 35 home runs. He can do yeah, that. Like fair, yeah, that yeah. gets you MVP votes. Yeah. Uh, so he's, I, I don't think he's going as high as he should go. It, it, like I, I've seen him go much lower in mocks that have been happening so far. And so you I, wanted to, you know, you wanted to give, him I some. wanted to highlight that yeah. you're at, okay. that there's two trends that you're going to see in these hitters in the first like 10 rounds or so. One of the trends is I wanted to highlight guys that should be getting drafted higher. And the other thing that I wanted to highlight is, and this, this is something that I've kind of discovered in myself as an analyst, uh, you know, doing deep dives into players over the past year. I kind of really particularly like hitters that don't strike out a ton. And maybe that's just a, a sign of my age. Uh, I'm, I'm having like my, my A-Rod John Smoltz moment where I, I oh, hate no. batters who strike out a lot now. Oh, but no, no I, I'm, I, I've no. Seen, I, I think there's real value to be found there in focusing on these guys that aren't like a, a victim of the era. Okay. Well, and, let, let's talk about that six round pick then because Anthony yes. Rendon, uh, he went before Bregman, who's kind of one of those guys and also Arenado. Why did you choose Anthony Rendon over them? I had some regret here. Uh, well, all right then let's move on to the seventh round. <laughs> no, uh, at, like you, you highlighted Bregman and Arenado. I purposely chose to not draft Bregman. Like I, I, I saw Bregman and said no, uh, because there's been a lot of talk of, about him, his power being a product of the uh, the Crawford boxes. I think I have that name right. It's the Crawford boxes, right? Yeah, yeah. I call them the Crawfish yeah. boxes. Yeah, sure. The Crawfish boxes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, he's not actually a very powerful hitter, so I, I don't think he's ever going to touch 40 home runs again. Like he did wildly before sure so i don't think there's anything but downside here for bregman uh obp league sure love him in an obp league but uh the one that i felt regret for was arenado i think arenado would have been a much stronger pick here and uh if this was if this league was going to be played out i'd be kicking myself but rendon i wanted to highlight because his so his, the the reason that he's been so bad over the past season and a half is because of a hip injury that is now supposedly healed and we don't always hear these reports so i wanted to highlight the fact that he acknowledged that this hip issue has been bothering him all the way back to 2020 and it has now been surgically repaired so if he is healthy we're talking about a guy who used to be, you know, a, an absolute machine for accounting stats and hitting in general. So if he's, a, you know, even 80% of his former self, this is a steal. So there's been one season uh, since 2000, the start of 2015, that Rendon has had over 150 games. So it's not that he's immune to the injury bug necessarily. It's 147, 136, 146 of the three years before uh, COVID. Um, and then 58 in 2021. He did 52, though, in 2020, the hip injury. 
wasn't really that much of a thing. Nine home runs, you know, 60 combined runs in RBI and, and 286 averages is great. We'll take that from yeah. 2020. And we kind of thought it would be more of the same this year, 240 average, but only a 16% uh, strikeout rate to 12% walk rate. It wasn't so ridiculous. Yeah, he flip-flopped his K and walk rates of previous years, but that still should be a better you know, uh, season from those elements. Uh, I hope he gets back on track. Hopefully he's back to the man of old. I, I agree with you that Arenado is probably the better pick at this point, and I'm targeting him in the sixth round wherever I can. Um, I kind of regret that I had to pull the trigger on Flaherty instead of getting Arenado because, I mean, he's just still a stud. 180, 190-plus combined runs in RBI, over 30 home runs. Should not be a detrimental average. I don't think he's a 255 average guy. It was no. like a 15% strikeout rate. I mean, Arenado is still excellent, and now he's going the sixth round as opposed to the second or third of previous years. He's the one I would be targeting the sixth round instead. Yeah, I agree. Good point. Rendon, um, I mean, as you mentioned before that you did, uh, Rendon still is one of those legitimate third base options. You're not getting Rendon thinking, oh, I guess I have to. You should be very happy getting Rendon sixth, seventh round. Kind of think of it in previous years as like the Moustakas, Matt Chapman, Donaldson, as we do in the seventh, eighth rounds. If you remember those from 2019, 2020, I don't remember. But it was that was how we would structure that. And Rendon could be that guy. Uh, so I would be targeting around this time in many leagues. So I'm not necessarily against this pick. It's just that Arenado is still there that I am. As far as Bregman, I get the concern. Um, and we'll see what happens with him. Uh, maybe a little bit more stable still than Rendon. But I hope. I really do think that Rendon can absolutely excel, especially if Trout and Otani are also on the field. That's just going to be a super fun lineup to hit in. Yeah, I'm I'm still a fan, and apparently I'm I'm now a boomer that likes guys that don't strike out <laughs> a lot, and Rendon fits that bill. It's good for fantasy. Uh, so let's move to Trevor Rogers, and Trevor Rogers is someone that looked like he was running away with this with the NL Rookie of the Year award. Uh, was absolutely cruising uh, through June 15th. Uh, his numbers at that point through 14 starts, a 1.87 ERA through 14 starts. 102 whip, 30% strikeout rate, 82 innings pitched. But it just wasn't the same after that. Uh, he had the moment on the, I guess, I don't want to say breathe list. It eventually turned into that, but he had personal leave for a moment. Mm -hmm. um, he never got back on track after that. He missed the full, the full month of August doing that. But also after June 15th, Trevor Rogers didn't have a single game of six or more innings as he was just a little bit off. Uh, do you feel with the seventh round pick and as Joe Musgrove, Alec Manoa, Clayton Kershaw, Frankie Montes, Shane McClanahan, Jose Brios, Dylan Cease, and Shoei Otani all going in that eighth round after that Trevor Rogers was the right guy for next year? So I just want to point out that I, I have notes written down for this, and there have been at least three or four occasions already where you have basically just said my notes. Yay! So, I don't know if that means I'm being I am too such obvious, a great host or if you're just really talk. good at this. <laughs> no. So, Rogers, I'm not super concerned about his late season swoon. I guess we can call it because there were extenuating circumstances. Right. We we know how important having you know your your full focus on the game is to be a successful baseball player and. Anything that throws your game off 
can be hugely detrimental to a player on either side of the ball just because the the game is just so like any little thing can mess you up but definitely not only that rogers only threw 28 innings in 2020 rogers threw 26 innings in uh sorry it, it was a uh, 130 innings or so in 2019 but coming off of a year where he only threw those handful of innings and then who knows what happened at the alternate site i'm not super concerned that he threw you know that that he started lagging when he got past what like 75 100 innings in in uh 2021 i would need to slay i'm not concerned about it unless that you know, becomes a pattern. Like he, he, there, there's a lot of guys here who have like red flags, but they're just one year red flags. And I'm not worried about it until it becomes more of a thing. Like Rendon is one of them. Rogers is one of them. Uh, sure. Lindor. I, I, I understand this. I, so, so here's the thing about what happened with this repertoire. What happens when you get out of rhythm, right? Because that's what the, really what this is, is that you aren't focused, you're, you're, your mind is out of the game, and you have to really get back into being the laser-focused, I've got this, I'm a stud rookie pitcher that, that Trevor Rogers was. In his prime of the season, his fastball is located in, on the uh, glove side uh, all day. Easy, easy peasy, inside to right-handers. With a changeup that was going to miss bats, and then you have the slider that would fall in for strikes with ease. And what I saw on the other side of it was the slider wasn't nearly as effective. The changeup was in and out. There were some starts that it was there, some days wasn't, wasn't as consistent as the fastball wasn't necessarily terrible, but without those weapons helping support him, it just wasn't as easy of a journey through, through lineups. So, and that's really the major element for me. It wasn't like he's, you know, he was limited pitch count wise later on. Like, sure, there were some starts of 74 pitches or 83, but he, he was just less efficient. Exactly. He wasn't executing his pitches as often. Um, and, and that's fine. OK, so a lot of people, I think, are going to look at this and go, well, I don't really care. The whole end result was a 264 ERA with a 115 whip and a 28.5 percent K rate over 133 innings. Like, doesn't matter to me. I, I don't. I, I, that sounds great. Uh, but to me, there's a still concern of, all right, you had some time there, Trevor, to get your rhythm back. You had one start of 10 strikeouts, which was great on the 21st against the Nationals. But you still, you know, all of September were 4.1 innings, 4.14, 5.15 5 innings. Not quite convincing enough for me to say, like, you are going to be electric out of the gate again. So with that concern, I probably am going to go for one of those others. Maybe it's Manoa, who I think I'm a little bit more confident in. Um, you could say Montas if you want, but Montas has his own little bit of warts. Joe Musgrove with his approach. I uh, There are some other interesting options. I'm going to have Logan Webb above Rodgers. Mm-hmm. Um, I've, I've talked already about how my ranking of Rodgers at, what was it? Something ridiculous. 33 is probably going to be changing to about 20. Or, or along those lines or something something like that. But at the same time, I have Rodgers at 37. And I'm probably going to put him above Barrios and Dylan Cease at the very least. So 
I'm, I'm more in favor than it was before, but I don't think at the end of the seventh for me. Well, you figure there are 24 picks in between Rodgers and then uh, the next time it gets to me at the turn, 13 pitchers went there. Yeah, it so, was, it's, it's the time to feast. Right. So that that's one of those just things that happens at the turn. It's like I would have loved to have snagged like Logan Webb at my next turn or one of the one of the many pitchers that went in between uh, the eighth and tenth or sorry, eighth and ninth. But uh, yeah, it's just uh, I feel less good about Rogers uh, knowing how long I waited for my number three starter. Like, I like Rodgers. I do like him a lot. Like, one of the things that I like about Rodgers is that he sh- he demonstrated some really, really good things in 2020. And the surface numbers did not support them, but everything on the back end did. And then he came right out of the gate in 2021 doing all of the exact same things. And then the surface stats supported it. And that tells me that the parts are there and I may, maybe I'm being too willing to write off the second half because of the hardships that he faced. But I, in, in my head, I, I think he is that pitcher. I think that's who he is. The, the first half and, you know, second half of 2020 Trevor Rogers. And I hope I'm right because I do. Yeah. I, I like him a lot. Um, that first half Trevor Rogers way more convincing to me than the second half Ranger Suarez for what it's worth. Um, if You're just saying that to hurt me. Am I? Because, I mean, do you do you like Ranger Suarez? I, we, we, we've had this conversation many times. <laughs> but, uh, you and I are generally focused on very different pools of players. Sure. Uh, I mean, for in the deep, I understand you guys, right? Are in, which makes sense because and like sure, my my main home schedule leagues. was amazing. I was all for it as a pickup this year. Once, uh, once I saw the schedule, it's like, oh, okay, yeah, just just keep starting Ranger Suarez, guys. It's fine. Yeah, no, my home leagues are an AL and an NL only with uh, relatively deep teams. So I'm like, yeah, totally Will Will Crow. Like, let's pick up Will Crow. Dude, uh, that, that's where you, I'm he at. He has a slider and his changeup working. <laughs> Things are okay with fantastic Will streamer in September for me. But I, uh, but yeah, I mean, Ranger Suarez is getting a lot of uh, airtime, and look at us here doing it now I, because it, of that incredible stretch he had. But Trevor Rogers is way it was 14 starts more oh, yeah. than Suarez. It's a just and much more believable from a stuff standpoint as well. So uh, just keep that in mind. If if Suarez keeps this helium, I will have zero shares of him this year. I will tell and you that. The round is where he went to start there to Van Burnett. Uh so let's go to your eighth round pick, though. So it might go a little bit long in this podcast. Uh, Michael Conforto. Let's uh let's talk about this one. We gotta go no way. We've never gone long on a pitcher never. list podcast. Never. Uh so Conforto did not accept the qualifying offer, which is, was a little bit surprising. I thought he might want to rehab his value and, and come back for a year. But uh, so his value is a little bit in flux, I think, because we don't know what ballpark he's going to be in. We don't know what lineup he's going to be in. And from so I uh, again, I'm a Mets fan. So I've been watching him play for f- six years now. Why do you want to remind people this? This is a. I just want people to feel sorry for me and give me some, uh, you know, like give give me a little extra leeway when I make bad decisions See, in now, fantasy. Now it all comes out. Now it's yeah, it's all a pity ploy. <laughs> but 
Conforto has like drastically changed his approach several times in those six years. Uh, and it has seemed to come with hitting coaches. Like when Chili Davis was the hitting coach, Conforto went the other way a lot. And he put up a, an absurd Babbitt because he was beating the shift constantly with opposite field hits. Sustainable? I don't know, because the next year was a complete mess in Queens in general. And they fired Chili Davis and Conforto was a mess for basically the first three months. And then he was kind of good again uh, in, from August on. Uh, from August on, he wasn't quite himself, but it was like a 120 WRC plus, which is yeah, pretty close to career levels for him. I think Conforto is a very, very skilled hitter who has gotten bad direction in his career. I think if he winds up on a team that just if he ever just like tried to pull the ball regularly, I'm th- we're talking 35 home runs, no problem. He's got one of the nicest left-handed swings you'll see. I'm probably being a bit of a homer here because I've watched him so much and I've seen the highs. But again, it was only a year ago where Conforto was going a good bit higher than this. And that player is still in there. Like I, That player hasn't gone anywhere. He had a rough few months, but so did everyone on the Mets. And he might get the Mets to stink off of him after uh, after this offseason. So we'll, I, I... Look at those stankings coming back. <laughs> Dude, I will always give bonus credit to players leaving the Mets. Like, I drafted Syndergaard here, too, <laughs> later on. It's like I the think Orioles. Yeah. I think Syndergaard's oh, going to be like man. a top five uh, ALC okay. Young this year. Okay. Well, we'll talk about that later on. Yeah. Um, I think you made a really good point about the direction changing for Conforto. The pull percentages have gone back and forth. Fly ball rates have changed. It's all just been this weird The approach swing. every year. It's weird. It's right. wild. And so there is, there is this untapped potential it does feel he's not a 14 home runs across 125 game batter he's not a 232 average guy either with that said this is the end of the eighth early ninth i'm looking at the the crop of hitters and it is considerably worse um i think the seventh round took a lot of the better targets away from you uh yelich bryant at about oh my god at alberto mondesi (laughs) Uh, Randy Arozarena, Jose Abreu, uh, JD Martinez, Jesse Winker, uh, Jorge Polanco, I guess Brian Reynolds too, uh, and Jazz Chisholm all went before Conforto. And after it's Kyle Schwarber, Hanniger, Edmund, Mountcastle, it's not nearly the same level. Mm-hmm. Um, I personally would have considered maybe JT Realmuto if I felt I needed to go for a hitter at this point. Uh, I think there's more. I don't know, locked in value with that um, than Conforto. Cause um, you're not wrong that he should be better. We like, we want to think that there's something better in it, but it's hard. It's hard convincing me to, to take a guy that you had 14 home runs, 125 games with 232 average uh, in the past season. Well, better is in there. He's done it before. Right. He, we're, we're hoping he does it again. Right. So, so we'll see what happens there. Uh, ninth and 10th round. You did a thing. I did a thing. I don't love this. And it's it's there's got to be a term for this. It's the um, I mean, I don't know. The closers of New York. It's it's Chapman and Diaz. You got them both. I I yeah. And I hate it. Um, Big Apple janitors. <laughs> uh, the, the apple seeds, since they both throw uh... seeds. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Ah. That's very good. Uh, so <laughs> I love that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
So I did this because uh, similar to Wheeler earlier, I took a look at the pitchers that were coming up. So we got Snell, Gallon, Malley, Garcia, Suarez, Urquidy. And the, you the, wanted Suarez. No, not here, no. <laughs> I'm sorry, but yeah, Snell and Gallon, I mean, that's very fun there. Molly, of course, is very helpful for all teams, but you felt that the better way to help your pitching staff was to get two closers. I wasn't sure which pitchers were good. So, like, we, we were working off of 2021 uh, ADPs and rankings. So it was really hard to gauge at any point who the next people off the board were going to be. So I, I I had looked at the landscape. I saw what pitchers were available and I said, you know, I just don't love any starting pitchers here. No, no, no one was jumping off of the page to me. So I said, I, I do still need pitching. Closer is just a nightmare nowadays. So I figured, you know what, let me just, make life difficult for everyone else lock down two closers and we will revisit starting pitchers next round when it looks a little bit more clear and uh, discernible to me i'm not necessarily against this move um uh, i do like snell a lot for next year and i think there is certainly a gap between getting snell and gallon versus your next starter um but i mean what you got is what well, you're this chapman you're a notorious a- hater of my next pitcher well, for fantasy, yes, and we'll talk about that. Um, but I, for real life baseball, no, I'm a huge fan of him for for a baseball team. It's just not as relevant for fantasy. But again, we'll save that. Uh, thirty saves from Chapman. You're probably going to get thirty saves from from Diaz. Both are going to get you a lot of strikeouts along the way. Eighty nine last year for Diaz, ninety seven. I mean, you inherently got a, a strikeout total of any ace in here with saves of course uh with i would imagine an era and whip that helps you too so you got an ace equivalent i wound up about 140 130 innings or so something like that maybe 120 so i didn't plan this but i wound up with a staff that was very strikeout efficient so this is helpful right and it does set up the next one so i mean i don't think there's really much more to say about chapman diaz i think it's a good play Do this and then never think about it. actually got another one in the 18th round, which I love too. Um, it just means that, okay, you have to recover from this. And you do go three starters in the next four rounds. And we'll talk about who that one in the 11th round is right after a quick break. So the guy that I don't like, apparently, that I'm notoriously a hater for, uh, if you can guess, he was a Mets no longer. Well, maybe he will be. We don't know yet. So that Fingers crossed. guard. But it's Marcus Stroman. I'm a fan of him in real life. Um, but when it comes to fantasy purposes, I I mean, it's, it is really shocking to say that I'm not a fan, considering that three of the last four years have come with a sub-325 ERA. But two of those seasons have come with a three, oh, sorry, 131 whip along the way. It was a dramatic shift in 2021. Finally, for the first time, since 2015 for Marcus Stroman, did he have a whip under 129? And it was 115, which isn't actually elite. It's great. I'd be very happy with that. But it's not like he had a 1 or 105 that really is pulling it up dramatically. But 115, sure, take that all day. 
21.6% strikeout rate. I feel like I need to give him the decimal because I want to give him the highest that he's had ever in his career. I have a lot of questions about what we're going to see from Stroman next year. I think it's very infield defense dependent. Uh, he's always been an extreme ground ball rate as I continue to try and guess what's on your notepad. I I hope he goes to the Cardinals, honestly. That would be the perfect thing. Fast said that in in our podcast. Nick, early. I have no I have no notes from this point forward, but I was going to say the Cardinals thing. <laughs> well, I hope so. Um, uh, let's hear it now. Do you see Marcus <laughs> Stroman uh, being a low threes, mid threes ear? Right. What, what do you expect in twenty twenty two? All right. So, I mean, I was going to bring up <laughs> the Cardinals thing, but frame differently because that would be my hell. Is if. Marcus Stroman was a St. Louis Cardinal and put up a 275 ERA. Well, that would be great, though. That would be great, but I would yeah. hate it. No, 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 I would hate it. No, I'm, guys, I'm... <laughs> everybody listening right now, I, I know this because I remember being a, a, like a diehard Yankee fan back in the day, right? Peace comes when you wish for good, okay? Wish well of Marcus Stroman, regardless of, oh, you know what? It wasn't on your team, the Mets. He goes off to another team. He individually succeeds. Be happy. Wish good into the world for them. You should see how few shares of Yankees I've had in my life. Well, you do you, Schwebs. Everybody else, you can do better. I'm an incredible hater of the teams that I don't like, <laughs> no, even, in, even no. in fantasy. I mean, I understand. I will say this. I understand if you don't want to draft... Just bad humans. I'm all for that one. And here I am with Aralis Chapman. Yeah. But anyway, let's talk about Marcus Stroman. Right. Uh, a, a good human. I, I like Marcus <laughs> Stroman a lot. Uh, Me too. As, as, a, as a person and a player, I, I you, you kind of hit the nail on the head with the infield dependent thing. Uh, he put up a great whip. Well, lo and behold, there's Lindor and Baez behind him. Uh, for at least half the year. Do you think he can hit 200 innings next year? I think he can. Can he? Yes. But I will mention it was 33 starts at 179 innings. It really should be 32 because one was about two outs. Right, uh, because of the rain delay. Right. But it's still... He's showed the ability to go out there every five days. It would have to be a team that would allow him to go that distance constantly. I don't think Stroman is inherently a guy that goes seven innings, though. You know, right. I, 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 I think he's kind of I, a little bit more of a nibbler at times and has secondary stuff that doesn't really seal the deal. So I, I know we're talking standard leagues here, and that means wins, but uh, quality start leagues, absolute machine. change things, yes. Uh, and for wins leagues, it's worth noting that Stroman was a Met last year and got the DeGrom treatment where he was just abysmally unlucky with getting wins in good starts. So uh, you you can look at that 10 wins and kind of, you know, wipe that away mentally because that's a bit of uh, poor luck that is unlikely to continue when he winds up on another non-Mets team. Something that I like about Stroman is that he knows what his weaknesses are he's aware that he needs to get more swings and misses and is constantly working on new pitches or variations of pitches that he already has in order to try to get more swings and misses. He, I, I, I feel pretty confident that 
the reason he put up a career high in a strikeout rate this year was because he was trying to. He's working on a split change. He's trying to make his four-seamer more of a thing. He knows, and he's talented. He's super athletic. You know, he he can't become an entirely new pitcher, but he he knows what he needs to do and is trying to take steps to get there. Yeah, I, I very much understand that. Um, I do hope to see uh, more breaking ball usage in the future. Um, we've seen times where the slider has taken a step forward. And, you know, he, we had a 34% CSW this past year with a Stroman slider. And that's, that's a good thing to see. 65% strike rate with a two. The cutter, 71% striker with a high zone rate. That was a really effective offering from this season. But the sinker always a high average allowed i mean it, it's really shocking to me they're at 40 this year 289 batting average believe it or not is the best of the last four years did not play in 2020 so hey all the the stats look nice and easy uh when it comes to inning totals because we don't have 2020 at all for stroman <laughs> but that's that's an issue and i don't think that's ever not going to be an issue for him is that his bread and butter is a sinker that is just not that great it really isn't, um, and it's going to put him in these situations where it's it's tough to be that efficient, dominant guy in a given game. He had two starts this year where he went seven innings. One of them was the only game above 100 inning, sorry, 100 pitches, and that was 114 uh, against the, the the Giants on the 17th of August. I that was a day where his curveballing, sorry, his uh, slider and cutter were exceptional. 47% CSW between them. It was amazing. But I don't think that's a typical thing for him. And I, I do want, wonder for fantasy purposes, just is he going to push the needle in the direction you need to? If I'm drafting a guy in the 11th round, uh, I really, for the most part, I'm trying to hope that he returns higher than the 11th round value. That he turns into maybe a, an equivalent 6th or 7th round guy. You know, that that's what, in, in my mind, or if you're around there, you should be hoping for it. At the same time, if you're going after a lot of more electric guys that really pull the pull you up forward, Strowman is someone who will give you innings and volume without necessarily hurting you. Likely. Hopefully the whip sticks. But, I, I mean, I see other guys on the, on the board here. I'm not saying that any of these are dramatically better. Um, but I see Nathan Uvaldi, Ian Anderson, Chris Bassett. Um, Mike Clevenger even to me is a much more fun one. There's Verlander too, but we don't really know their statuses. So it's kind of weird at the moment. Um, there's Severino as well. I'm not even going to really include that. But uh, Michael Kopech. Uh, and then it does drop. So I, it's not so egregious or anything. But I think I'd probably go for Ian Anderson or Bassett ahead of Marcus Stroman. That's all. That's fair. I, I think... I, I appreciate the safety that he brings, and I do think there's more upside there, but if he doesn't reach it, he still gives the team stuff. He gives the team stuff. You heard it here first, folks. <laughs> put, uh, put, that, put that on the book. Put that on the book cover. Uh, Framil Reyes is the 12th round pick. So Love you this decided, one. You had uh, one, two, three, four. In eight rounds, you had six pitchers, and you had a Conforto, and now you have Reyes as the only two um, hitters. Race in the 12th seems pretty dang good, Weber. But how good is that Cleveland Guardians team going to be? Terrible. <laughs> it's going to be real bad. Um, I did not expect Reyes to be here. 
uh, I took Conforto at at the uh, start of the eighth, and then only what like what Schwarber, Hanniger, Meadows, Bellinger went. So only a handful of outfielders in between Conforto and Framil Reyes. Fifty picks later, that's just a stroke of luck. Uh, I, I like Framil Reyes is one of the safest bets in baseball to hit 40 home runs while also not being a drag on your batting average 30 30 home runs well never hit 40 before because it's it's health willing well 150 games 37 home runs i'm gonna say that he's a safe safe for 30 i'm with you there uh i'm I'm rounding up on that one so (laughs) because that that 100 that that 150 games was also only 550 plate appearances which no, is that, that, that well, is true. well he short. Is, he is a power machine, 31% he over five ball rate, then 30%, I mean, really 31% rounding up 2021 for Fran Mill Reyes. Yeah, I I don't, like, get getting, you know, fig, figure he gets 500 plate appearances. I figure that's a lock for 30 home runs. Getting that in the 12th round is awesome. Yeah. Uh, the hitters that went after this are... Willie Donna's Bobby Witt, Joey Votto, Nelson Cruz. I like how you skipped over Justin Turner. Oh, I did. I don't know why I thought that color was a pitcher. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's but, like the opposite color. So, yeah. I But so we've <laughs> got Adamas <laughs> uh, and Bobby Witt. Fine. I didn't need a shortstop. But then every other one of those hitters is like 50 years old. And I. Joey Votto was amazing. Joey Votto was amazing. But you know very well that when it comes to fantasy baseball, I am ageist. Uh, I don't wow. like I don't like old players. I I will almost never draft so an old only player. Young players who strike out very, a little bit. Yes, yeah. But apparently, that is my wow, thing. That is a uh, that is a rare. Breed. That is my niche. <laughs> uh, no, but well, uh, Frambo Ray is very much not a. Uh, a, a low strikeout guy i do uh if you're a listener of in the deep you know very well that i have another uh you know archetype of players that i uh love it's the big boy that hit ball far and reyes falls under that category the big boy that hit ball far so 11th round i took reese hoskins and i immediately regretted it when i saw Fran reyes go to you in the 12th round it's a seal of approval love it it's yeah he will not be here steamers projection for Fran reyes 38 home runs, 85 runs, 101 RBI, and 250 average. Yeah, that's a that's a whole lot of production in the 12th round there. So nicely done. I don't think Steamer realizes who else is in his lineup if they're projecting him for 100 plus ribbies. Yeah, I mean ribbies are more of a product of just being third or so, or third or fourth, which I think will still be a thing. Like it's not like Jose Ramirez is going to not be there, and they'll figure out the first and second. Someone will be good enough to bat them in. The runs are the ones that 85 runs, I think, is the weird one to me. I think, I think Yu Chang can knock him in a few times. Yeah. 85 <laughs> times? I don't Yu Chang and Austin Hedges. Yeah. I mean, hitting home runs does give you more runs. That is a good thing. It starts but... off with 40 runs right off the bat. Just needs to get <laughs> 50, 60 more times by his teammates. Uh, 13th and 14th round, you decided to go pitcher, pitcher. And you kind of got Stroman again with Framber. I know. I tell you, I wound up really strikeout deficient uh, unintentionally. Yeah, I mean, so Framber Valdez. This I, I've been joking about this a lot. Where as analysts, right? We know nothing. I, I just watched. Ted uh, don't Lasso. put don't put that on me. I just started watching Ted Lasso. I started it last week. I'm binging through it all very quickly. I actually just, I just got it. the episode um, where a character. I'm not even gonna like spoil it for anyone that hasn't done it. 
the character is on it. Or they say like some pundit or whatever saying like, we know nothing about this. Mm. We're just hoping to be over. Never right. We don't know anything. And so what do we do with Framber Valdez before the beginning of this year? We often do this song and dance where we take two the previous two seasons of a player and say, yeah, he's probably somewhere in the middle. You know, I love that. We, we do this all the time. He's not so as good often. as 2020. He's not as but, bad as 2019. Yeah, right. Yeah. So he's probably somewhere in the middle. <laughs> this was the one scenario where we were right. Framber Valdez was pretty much the mix of 2020 and 2019. Uh, it, it's pretty funny to me. The ERA was sure the best that it's had, three fourteen, but the WHIP was one twenty five. The strikeout rate came down to about twenty two percent. We don't really expect that ERA to stick around. A four at one FIP. Yes, I am quoting FIP for once. It's more of just an expression of like, right? We all kind of watch this. And I, I heard you hate FIP. I do not hate FIP. <laughs> I hate it in the context of the Cy Young. The Cy Young is so re- far removed from what I normally do. Noted Corbin Burns hater, Nick Pollock. Oh my God. I, let's, please stop this. This is my piece. This is my 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 time. I get to be removed from all of that, Schwebs, and you're just, you're ruining it. Sorry. <clears throat> Excuse me. Framber Valdez. Hey, what's up? Uh, you're probably not going to have a 314 ERA. What do you think, before I go through all of your notes, uh, is going to happen for Amber Valdez in 2022? I'm going to be honest here. I Always. don't I don't think I've ever had a share of Framber Valdez. Mm. And he's not a 200-plus guy, so I've never looked too far into him. I don't know a ton about Framber Valdez. This was wow. purely... I, I just felt this was a relatively safe pitcher here. Okay, so you looked this at is, the pitcher list, and he was the best available. Yes, th- this is okay. who I would have taken if I was in a real... If th- if this was a real draft, like, and I wasn't like you know trying to talk about anybody. Uh, because for briefly, I forgot that I would have to talk about him. Mm, yeah, I'm sorry. 70% ground ball rate. <laughs> Uh, is is the story here. He is a, a huge ground ball rate fueled by a fantastic curveball. And I will say that skill did not go away in 2021. 125 batting average allowed. This has always been an elite curveball. 123 in 2020, 117 in 2019, uh, 36% CSW. That has never been the problem for Fran Bavaldas. The problem has been the fastball. It's a sinker. Sometimes it's a four-seamer. It just isn't that great. 56% zone rates, only a 61% strike rate, which meant that the curveball had to do more than it did before. I didn't always save him that 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 number two pitch. 266 batting average allowed was the best we've seen. That's why we had the uh, lower ERA, but I don't know if that's always going to be the case. And Framber Valdez's changeup, it's a changeup. <laughs> you know, it's there. And yep. it, through about 15% of the time, I think we might see it fall down a little bit or maybe... If we're lucky, we see you take a step forward. But because of that curveball, Framber Valdez will always be relevant. And because of such a high ground ball rates, then he'll always have chances to go deeper into games. But it's not going to be exciting. It's not going to, I mean, some for a month it might be, and then another month it might not. Be ready for that for Framber Valdez. Seeing his obscenely high home run per fly ball and then really low home runs per nine is very funny. And it's be, it's because of the incredibly high ground ball rate. It's just fifteen percent fly ball rate. You just never see That's those it. two numbers together. Like he gave twenty plus home run, uh, twenty plus percentage home run per fly ball is a wildly high number, and he still didn't give up a home run per nine. For a pitcher throwing one hundred thirty five innings, I don't think I've ever seen a fly ball rate underneath their home run per fly ball rate. 
right? it's wild that that's that's actually that's really crazy especially <laughs> having a, a 314 year right? you know what? i you know what i see seeing this uh uniqueness this absurdity i i am now happy i picked him that is wild because you want the absurd yes you i'm all wild and absurd and what what is i absurd? enjoy i like Noah the outliers Syndergaard not getting an mri when he was oh, hurt no. oh, why do you man. hurt me <laughs> Well, I'm 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 saving you because he's no longer your your thing anymore. He's oh, he's on, he's on he's on this make believe fantasy team though, so I, I do still have a, a make believe fantasy. Isn't that redundant? This, this make believe make believe <laughs> fantasy team. Um, Noah Syndergaard uh, is now on the LA Angels. I uh, why did you jump for him in the 14th? Upside, purely upside. Uh, I I could have gone with a young pitcher that you know, flashed upside last year, like Sandoval, McKenzie, Gilbert, those guys all went in the next round. And I like those pitchers. I like how you didn't mention Sean Manaya, but that's fine. Uh, okay, yeah, he's not, he's, I mean, I guess, how old is Sean Manaya? I don't even, isn't he like, he doesn't 20? matter. I said was, young guys. top 20 pitcher during I know, he, the he year. was good. At uh, times. All right, fine, fine. Noah Syndergaard. Uh, I, I think he's one of the players past round 10 most likely to be a top 15 pitcher that's yeah. i mean that's kind of that's kind of the, yeah, the short I of get it. it right i mean we know what syndergaard has been and we hope that we see more of it in 2022 i i don't love this um but if you look at the other pitchers i've taken so far i i feel like i they're relatively uh high confidence Okay. Uh, so I, I felt like I could take a stab here on a uh, high potential, high bust rate. So 2018, 2019, right? 2018 is 154 innings. 2019 was 197, 198, really. Would it shock you to hear that in neither season did he have a whip below 120, nor did he have a strikeout rate above 25%? Uh, I'm not surprised by the whip because this is another sinker baller and it's a sinker baller on the Mets who never have a good defense. Fair. So, I mean, yeah, so none of that particularly surprises right. me, but it, it, this is okay. So, so a couple things very quickly. One, I, the, I think we're kind of overrating Syndergaard's skill set a little bit because he hasn't been elite truly since he got that ridiculous injury in 2017. Um, and the other side of it is the thing that I've been harping on for a long time about Syndergaard is that we overlook his consistently high BABIPs as if they are luck or just that infield defense. It is not. Syndergaard is what I call a thrower and not a pitcher. Oh, absolutely. And it's, it means that he throws far too many hittable pitches, um, that guys, oh, they wait for that thing. They see, and then they, they crush it he throws a lot of strikes he's in the zone so often he doesn't make them uncomfortable that's why you have the you have consistently low walk rates which is great but sometimes there's a limit of you know comfort in the box and that you do want to play with those swing and you want to get outside the zone just a little bit more uh than what Noah Syndergaard does now the other element that makes me concerned here as Syndergaard has always had uh, zone rate above 50% comfortably so uh, is the fact that this when we saw him return this year Syndergaard was throwing a little bit slower and we're talking little I'm talking 94 to 95 as opposed to 98 
that we've seen in previous years. Oh, I'm mortified by what, like, how the end of this year went. And he didn't throw his slider or his curveball. It's very minimal. Doctor's orders. Yeah. Two, just two frames. But it was not a hint of the old Syndergaard. And, yeah, the doctor's orders is right. Don't throw your slider. Don't do it. You'll get hurt again. Uh, right. Okay, but that's your good thing. That's <laughs> that's what we need from you, Syndergaard. We need you to be throwing this elite CSW pitch, 38% in 2019, um, with a 19% swing striker, 26% in 2018 with that pitch. Uh, the changeup, guess what? 28%, 25% CSWs in 18 and 19. Yeah, we need that, that pitch. Now, this curveball wasn't bad. Curveball's actually a really good offering. Just never really threw it more than 10% of the time. And maybe that can come back. Maybe that's not on the docket for him. I'm really scared about this with Syndergaard. I'm really shocked he got $21 million, honestly. I'm I'm pretty sure those late-season appearances were glorified bullpens. Sure. That that was... change-ups, but he didn't throw breakers. Yeah. I, I can't imagine... Like, have you ever heard of a pitcher coming back from an injury and the doctor was like, never throw this pitch again. Yeah. Not that would be unique. <laughs> I, but I mean, it would happen to a Met. It would but, happen to a Met. It um, would. You're not wrong. So I'm, I'm very much hoping and educated guessing that the uh, slider will be back next year or at least throwable next year. Um, and so Keith Law uh, over at The Athletic wrote a good article on this, how Noah Syndergaard's time frame and the Angels' time frames don't match up. Sorry for sorry for, sorry for for advertising something else that not pitchless. But, um, <laughs> no, you can all the time. Uh, and it's because Syndergaard needs to show that he's healthy to, to get a multi-year deal, but he's also coming off of zero innings in the past two whole years. Yeah. But the Angels have signed him to a one-year, $21 million deal, so they need him to throw some innings, like a lot of innings. So something's got to give there. Uh, And I'm, you know, uh, picking him for fantasy this year means you think that the Angels are going to kind of get every inning that they can out of him and, uh, you know, get those bullets out of that arm. I hope we do. It doesn't make sense to find the Angels just because um, they need – to spend money on a workhorse starter they just this is what they needed for so long and Syndergaard to me is just not that yeah. it's very strange looking at his pitchless player page with an angel's hat on mm-hmm. it is startling to say the least um, i don't like it i don't either it's the only non-fake jersey that i own is is my Syndergaard. <laughs> oh man wow non-fake what are oh, the I have fake a bun- ones? bunch of fake jerseys like lindor, lindor alonso de grom every, everyone those are fake. Oh, okay. I Super thought you fake. Were like, I thought you were saying like Alonso on the Cubs or something like that. Like, it, like yeah, my, my Pete Alonso Yankees jersey. Yeah, that, that's what I Because mean. I hate myself. <laughs> well, on that topic, let's go to your next pick. Um, Kybert Ruiz. K-Bear. K-Bear, I apologize. Uh, K-Bear Ruiz I, I got in the you. 15th round. Yeah, I love this one. Personally, so I'm not I, hating yourself. I apologize. <laughs> so uh, I waited until the 15th round to get my starting catcher. I firmly believe that KB Ruiz will wind up being a top 12 minimum catcher this year. Uh, he's going to get every opportunity in what I believe will be an underrated Nationals lineup. 
it was actually the, the Washington Nationals lineup was really strong down the stretch in yeah, spite in spite of cleaning house right we were trying to stream against them and it was just failing yeah so uh and they're going to i i assume supplement it during the off season to uh make it even better but uh Bear ruiz is uh if you look at his player page someone who doesn't strike out a lot uh and uh i am i'm a fan i love the approach was good in the minors i think he's going to get every opportunity to be a starting catcher and we know that with catchers in fantasy, that's half the battle. Just having a somewhat decent bat playing most days makes you a top 12 fantasy catcher. So this was, he was in the Scherzer Trey Turner deal. Yes. Um, from the Dodgers, uh, 12% strikeout rate with the Dodgers and the minors, 7% with the nationals. Oh yeah. LA, and then 9.4 in the majors. This year, I mean, yeah, we found your young no strikeout guy. I'm going to wind up with a lot of shares of K Bear this year. Yeah, a 15th round. I don't know. I honestly don't know if I would favor him over Contreras. He went earlier in this round. Same with Gary Sanchez. But once, oh, absolutely, I mean, Sanchez. I'm very much not a Sanchez, Sanchez fan. Sure. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm with you there. Uh, but Contreras, Gondal, uh, Posey. Just kidding. Uh, Real Muto, Will Smith, and Salvador Perez are the other catchers that went beforehand. I think this is right uh, with Ruiz before Sanchez. Yeah, Sanchez. Well, he does hit ball far. So he, he, he is. is. He does. But uh, Ruiz, hopefully, you know, it is counting stats and hopefully not a bad average that you're looking for here. And there's some production. And that's a cool thing from your catcher spot. So definitely consider Ruiz around this point or so. Maybe 15th is slightly early for a guy that isn't necessarily going to do a whole lot for you. It's more about what he doesn't do negatively. I uh, but well we can see maybe Adley Rutschman is more of a fun thing later on. You can make a case for Mitch Garver or Zunino, considering how well they did this past well, year. The At one catcher picks is what I'm saying. The one catcher that went later on that I would have opted for over Ruiz, now knowing their price, was uh, Dalton Barshow. Ah, uh, if you said Eric Haas, I'm in the funniest thing ever. Um, no, I, I like that. I like that Hospic. Uh, waiting until the 22nd for your starting yes! catcher and getting Haas. That's fantastic. First time I've heard that. Um, no, there's also Tyler great. Stevenson now that Tucker Barnhart mm-hmm. is gone from Cincinnati. So there are some interesting catcher options later on that makes me not want to make that leap for Ruiz, especially when like John Means went in the next round. Uh, Sixo Sanchez did too. There are still guys that I think can make really big impacts while Ruiz is about less of the impact and more of the prevention of disaster. Yeah, you'll, you'll see the impact of this on my draft later on as I take a handful of pitchers that I don't particularly like. Oh, man, you, you took some Tobies. Okay, so yeah, uh, I did. Bobby Talback in the 16th round. Bobby K. Dingers. Yes, yeah, so my so guy. He hit ball far. 25 he sure home does. Runs in 133 games, 22% homer of a five ball rate. Strikes out a ton, though. 34% carry this past year. Do you see that improving? He, I, I do see it improving because it did improve. Um, <laughs> well, that's okay. All right. <laughs> <laughs> well, so firstly, uh, if you, if you, if you look at last year, he was awesome. If you look at just the results, but he also struck out 40% of the time. And, if you're good at math, you'll know that 34% is lower than 40%. So oh, it is. we're already off to a good start there here. We go. <laughs> but uh, the thing that is encouraging about Dalbeck is that in... So I'm just going month by month here with strikeout percentages. March, April, 
May, 39%. June, 39%. July, 39%. August, 25%. September, October, 32%. Okay, so it seems like he's locked into this 30% thing here, Schwebs. Well, we had... (laughs) We had two whole months at the end of the season where he was a good bit under 30%. If he can keep it in the low 30s, I think he's a starting first baseman in 12-teamers. So it's it's close. Uh, it really depends on... Ah, man. Yeah, okay. I, I, under, I get it completely. There are safer first basemen yes. that are still around. Who is um, still around? make the case that uh, Anthony Rizzo? I wouldn't. Uh, cool. Okay. Uh, so then, sixteenth round, 16th maybe round scope. A little... Maybe scope. Okay. Um, sixteenth round seems a little early for Dahlbeck. That was um, that was a reach. That was me wanting is, to talk about about again, Talking about the other players that was uh, brought up about that actually think will help you. Um, without you know that you won't be dropping likely. I still. I mean, we're getting to that point of all right, sixteenth round and twelve teamer. That's getting close to 180 or so um off the board 185 and yeah i mean look at back look back at all your old drafts and see how many guys you picked after pick 180 and held <laughs> on to them through the year right well th- so this next stretch is like i was in a fury when i when these picks <laughs> when these picks went off the board so so the ones that you selected are the ones that went after you one's the one after me so john uh, means dance swanson luis urias no 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 i'm Six, talking seven. uh round 17 with uh the back-to-back ashby and carlos hernandez oh right those yeah, are those my are those are boys. my guys well that's 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 in the deep all right aaron ashby, uh, yeah. of course going to jordan white carlos hernandez going to you i was upset about the aaron ashby one carlos hernandez i uh, don't worry about that one so <laughs> I, I like him i think he's going to be the best starter on kansas city by a good bit that's not much of a statement i uh, there's, I mean, what it's Daniel Lynch, Carlos Hernandez, uh, Jackson Kowar, Singer, Bubich, Brady Singer, Bubich, and Brad Keller are all in that mix. It's not, it's not much of a, yeah. It, uh, I'm going to okay. I do a normal award every year for the most fantasy relevant starting pitcher award of a team. It's going to be the Royals next year. <laughs> I think we can all agree on that. That's like the most up in the air. Who is their ace team? You might want to say Singer. It seems like it should be, but Singer is incredibly cherry bomb-esque with just two pitches. Carlos Hernandez at least has the opportunity. Three pitches, two breaking balls. He throws hard. Just the command needs some work. Uh, and another another guy who doesn't get a lot of strikeouts. Yeah, but, but you, you so like he would have fit my team. There you go. But, uh, low strikeouts applies for pitchers, too. I get it. This is fun. All right. <laughs> we're going to go to your next four now, which are three starters and a reliever. Uh, Casey Mize. Now, Casey Mize has become a bit of a joke in the pitcher list. Uh, Mize guys, uh, baby. Uh, because I Shout outs to Neil Dita. <laughs> no. <laughs> don't do it. I <laughs> uh, don't encourage it. No, and he knows. Um, It's... It, Essentially, what was going on is that you guys know me. I call Mize a Toby, especially considering that I knew that the Tigers would be limiting him. Um, Mize, okay, Mize, Quantrill, Descafani, and Caprillian to me are all very similar as a part, as what they do. There's a four seamer that they command decently well with a solid slider, without really another third option that is consistent and demanding of our attention. 
Hopefully for Maya's, we thought it would be the splitter. It's not. Sometimes the curveball shows up. Uh, maybe. Uh, but that's that's really it. Casey Mize does have the benefit now of 140 innings, and now it's probably a lot more than that, 170, 180. I will mention Casey Mize was kind of known as an injury question mark uh, through yes. the years. Yeah. And to say, oh, cool, he just threw 150. Now he's destined for 180. I'm not so certain about it. Uh, how quick in the season would you be willing to uh, cut bait on Casey Mize? If he was doing poorly? Yeah, let's say it's like five. Let's say it's three straight starts of five innings and 300 rounds. Oh, that's not enough to make me cut him. Okay. So so I, I guess what I'm getting at is, yeah, he. I don't think he's going to be so bad for you. You're going to be staring at like a 420 ERA and a 125 whip or something on like May 15th and wondering what you're doing. It's it's, very, it's possible. Maybe not. Maybe he goes off and has an amazing early schedule. Definitely follow who they're playing. And maybe that works out well for Casey Mize. AL Central. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. I hope he takes I hope he takes shape. AL Central is a really nice place to be for any pitcher. Especially on the White Sox. Oh man. Yeah. Um, but is there anything else you want to mention about Casey Mize? To me, he's someone that I'm not going to be chasing after. I feel it's very like, sure, that that works. I personally would rather go after a higher ceiling guy. Yeah. I I think we like these next like four rounds I can take really quickly because they like th- this these three pitchers all kind of fit into a similar bucket in my head where i i just didn't love the pitchers in this range and i usually in a normal draft there are a lot more pitchers that i like in rounds like 17 through 20 right. you know that's that's kind of my niche um so i got i got mice in the 17th and i went camilo Duval in the 18th which i love Duvall, I love. I, I think, I, I think that's a, that's a seal of approval to me. I know, yeah. but this is this is not nearly the normal structure we have for these. Right. But that's, I mean, he should probably close for the Giants and yes. he throws super hard. And you got that the 18th round. When I I'm think going he earned it. David Bednar in the 19th. <laughs> so for what it's worth, I like Bednar too. Yeah, but, but Duvall, that's a much better scenario and everything. Yes, that's yes. a seal of approval pick. Assuming uh, they both have the job, Duvall is right. way better. I do want to mention. Um, you're right. And as we said before, it's probably not going to be the same way. There's going to be a higher collection of fun guys around this time. Uh, maybe Sixto Falls, maybe Alex Wood Falls, maybe Tarek yeah. Skubal does, whatever. But Joe Ryan and Jesus, Jesus Lazardo. Yes, that's what, um, yeah. Those are two. Carlos Carrasco even too, I think. Yeah. I would rather take a chance on to see if he has a slider and change up. The one benefit to Carrasco is that velocity was not down. And seeing the velocity still the same as before, to me, feels like he needs a full offseason. Now he's all ready to go. And opening day can show up and have both a slider and changeup and be hinting at his previous self at least. And then we'll know early on to let him go or not. Look, I think if I had known that Lazardo and Ryan would both be off the board by the time I got my pick in the 19th, I think I would have taken probably Ryan instead of Duvall. Okay, I, I like yeah. Ryan a good bit. Yeah, Ryan is interesting because I was really shocked to see 18th. I thought he was going to be back down towards like the Bailey Obers and the oh, yeah. Lynch. There's a lot of that, so on. But Dude, I don't, there I don't was know if you've looked. And I, I find myself over time thinking, yeah, you know what? I, I get it, Pete Ball. I understand. So, so we are recording this on uh, November 23rd. Yeah. Uh, if you 
took a look at like a lot of young pitchers ADPs right now in like NFC drafts, I think it like it would blow your mind. So many guys are going so much earlier than you'd expect. Really? Yeah. It's wild. Oh, off the t- oh man, I don't we we did this for in the deep uh recording on Saturday, so I don't have any of the numbers like fresh in my head, but like but Ashby Ashby is wildly high. Logan Gilbert's around pick one hundred. So what I did see was that there were two drafts done, and that's it. So if one I, person took a guy high, then that's pulling everything up. I think there were four at this point. Okay. I think. Yeah, Logan Gilbert's a very interesting one because I like Gilbert will get opportunities in Seattle. I wonder if they go back to a six man. And the whenever the slider and changeup are both working. Mm. All you need is one, though. You just need this. Really, the slider yeah. needs to take shape. And Logan Gilbert's four-seamer is way better than a lot of the other young guys. Yeah. Uh, I'm very interested in that. I think there's more faith also in Gilbert's slider than, say, Joe Ryan's slider. If you want to compare those two with a good fastball. So we'll yeah, see what I, happens I there. Do, but- I have a feeling that, like, sharp drafts, like expert drafts, are going to be wildly different this year than, like, your normal home leagues. Maybe this is the year I do it, Schwebs. Maybe I pair with somebody and do an NFBC draft. Ooh. Finally. Oh, man. I, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, we'll uh, see. Yeah, I, I think with Lauer and Quantrill, who I mentioned, I I think you hit the nail on the head. Like, it's Toby's. This is It's Toby's yeah. season down here. I just didn't like the... I, I mean, I, I probably should have gone Di Sclafani here instead of one of these guys in retrospect. So I will say in, in Lauer's favor, uh, he did improve. He did throw a little bit harder um, this year with his cutter. The mm-hmm. velocity went up to about 89 as opposed to 87 in previous years. Had some success with it, though. I will say CSW was just 24% on it, which is like, wait, what? It's not supposed to be that low. 168 batting average allowed, though. So that's cool. Um, fastball was effective. A 66% strike rate is really good to see. A lot more strikes than in previous seasons. 66 also on the uh, the cutter as well. Maybe he does go on that that run that he had before. I mean, the the what I mean by that, I'm sorry. The end to end the season, save for the five earned run start against the Dodgers, that honestly I don't think any of you really wanted to have. There was an unbelievable stretch that Eric Lauer was on, and I want I want to pull this up because I think this is absolutely crazy. One seven eight ERA across thirteen games, uh, thirteen starts, fourteen games, including a three inning uh, relief appearance on the twenty eighth against Pittsburgh. That's crazy. One seventy eight ERA, point nine six WHIP, twenty four percent K rate uh, for Eric Lauer in seventy six innings. That isn't that is not bad whatsoever. Cutter was very effective. His breaking balls were great. Slider and curveball both. I uh, he was in a zone. I don't know if he's going to still have that rhythm. That's always the biggest question that we have. Um, the curveball was a big uh, called strike pitch. Same thing with the slider. He kind of flew that threw that in there and got some extra strikes. Uh, maybe there's a little bit more, I think, intrigue there. And the Cal Quantrill, of course, we know the second half surge. I don't think there's enough in that repertoire for him to hold on to that again. It's just fastball slider there. I don't think his stuff is that good. This is kind of what I talk about with Ranger Suarez is two pitches that are just sure. Not, neither of them are elite, though. And if you want well, to take it for a full season, eh, I'd be worried. You'll you'll note that when I didn't totally know where to go with my pitching. I went with Framber Valdez, Houston, <laughs> Eric Lauer, Milwaukee, Cal Quantrill, Cleveland. Noted pitching factories, quote, because I 
when I see a pop-up pitcher on those teams, I believe in it a bit more than if it was like a pop-up pitcher on, I don't know, the Angels. Not to uh, take a shot at Sandoval. I do like Sandoval. So I was about to say, you name any team. I've got a pop-up pitcher <laughs> for you. Okay? <laughs> you never know. I mean, I, um, I'm a little different when it comes to the... Uh, the theory of pitching factories and organizations. The only factor I think that I give is if that team will allow them to go longer into games or not, or like manager innings. For example, the Rays, they might do some weird things where while the Guardians are going to let them go more often, right? That to me is the only major element because I think the sample size is so small for success and failure. Um, with these clubs for example we've been talking this entire year about the giants oh the giants clearly did something my god look at wood and jessica Foddy and gaussman and webb and sure but this is really just the season that we're talking about this and it's like those guys work desco to me was a value anyway coming in he was just hurt last year and wasn't really himself and fine gaussman was still really good from last year okay webb hey man he added an extra amount of sink on his uh, sinker that's great and then um, Wood finally got his velocity back. Okay, is that the Giants? Or is that just circumstance of, of, of everything? I don't know. I uh, that That's kind of how I see this. Freddie Peralta learned his slider, and then all of a sudden everything worked with that. Um, Burns figured out his cutter. Woodruff has been good for a while. Um, I, don't, I don't know if it's the Brewers or well, I mean, do you know... How many how many things how many things have to go yeah. right before you know it's something know. that you yeah, take into is, consideration? Yeah, that's a great question. I don't have a good answer, uh, but I, I don't know how much weight I should give. And anytime I have that question, I find myself leaning away from giving any weight because I can't, I can't die on that hill, right? Yeah. So if it like if my decision is between like Cal Quantrill and Drew Rasmussen, who is a pitcher that I like and went shortly afterwards, I mean. You know, I'll 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 give it some bonus points. Although I do How like do Tampa not? Bay as well. In the deep, in the deep. I like I like. Listen. I know I do. What are you talking about? Why'd you bring him up? Uh, <laughs> if, if if only if, if only he could uh literally strike anybody out or pitch more than five innings. I know. Is it so weird though? Because this slider has a really good shape to it. Okay, so here we are. This is. It sounds like a, just a weird, different podcast than the normal ones because we just kind of just like went through. That was picks that 17, 18, 19, and 20. We're going to go for your last three here because, my God, we are certainly going long here, <laughs> um, as all of these have. These are 23 rounds for 23 guys. This is what's going to happen. Um, oh, man, I really like some of these. So the 21st round was Harrison Bader, who is another famous player in pitcherless lore. For the prime example of how not to do a vulgar headline, um, and Wait, I don't think I know this. You might you might well, have to tell I'll, me this I'll off air. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> so Harrison Bader, uh, sixteen home runs, hundred three games, two sixty seven batting average, nine stolen bases. Seems like a topi of hitters. All right, so Bader cut his strikeout rate massively. There's that trend again. And 21% that, this past year, 32% last year, 29% 2019, and 21 in 2021. That is, that that is basically all I needed to see with Bader. Um, I'm looking up a bunch of rounds. Like, let's see in the tw- in so we're in the 21st round. Like looking the up the to 21st, the yes, looking up to the 17th. I'd rather have Bader than uh, Adalis Garcia. 
I'd rather. I, I, really? I'd I rather mean, he had have such an incredible first half. Yeah, and uh, like that happens. Like, what? Remember? Uh, uh, God, two years like Don't two years Brian ago. Hair or no, like Ar- Aristides Aquino. Sure. No, like, I, I understand that. I, I like looking of, up to the 14th. I'd rather, I think I'd rather have Bader than Austin Hayes. I'd rather take the chance though, that Adelise comes out swinging a hot bat and then becomes a massive producer than Bader and being okay through the year. So I, I wanted to, I, I when I take swings on potential, I want my swings to be on five potential five category guys. And that's what Bader brings. Bader could wind up very easily being a 20 home run, 15 steal, not a batting average hole. Gotcha. Okay. So you're seeing, I mean, you're seeing more than just like a, the Toby element. You're saying, no, no, I think that Bader can produce easily top 10 value kind of potential. I'm not saying easily doing that, but that would. Well, the top 30 for, for an outfielder. Yeah. Okay. All right. Okay. I, I understand that. Um, like, yeah. I like, I wouldn't be shocked at all if, if Bader wound up in like that 25 to 35 outfielder range, which is very rosterable in a 12 team. Absolutely. Um, all right. So then we'll go to your 22nd round pick, which I adore. I, I love talk about him. I love O'Neill Cruz. Uh, speaking of big boys that hit ball far O'Neill Cruz, <laughs> if you are uninitiated is a six foot seven shortstop. It's unbelievable. It's that crazy. Has like three major league games in his life and already has the hardest hit ball in Pittsburgh Pirates stackcast <laughs> history. 118.2 <laughs> miles per hour. Very large boy. Hit ball very hard. Very far. Already has two barrels to his name and just nine plate appearances. Look, uh, he, he might strike out 50% of the time and be absolutely abysmal, but he's a 22nd rounder. So if that well, happens, I'll cut him. Okay, so I uh, double A in 2019 and 21, uh, really 2021 double A, 12 home runs, 18 stolen bases too, with a 292 average and a 23% K rate, had six games in triple A of a 17% K rate. Uh, look, this is this is exactly the home run play I'm talking about. This is a seal of approval. Sure, we'll see. Maybe the Pirates are just saying, Cruz, just go be our shortstop. And it's the giant, massive upside play that you can do, go for. Do you want shortstop Aaron Judge? Because I want shortstop Aaron right? Judge. <laughs> 22nd round, I will, I mean, I'll be paying heavy attention to O'Neill Cruz uh, in February and March. You all should be too. And don't ignore Gavin Lux, who was going in the first 15 rounds. This is an absolute stunned. shocker. I'm stunned that he was here for Unreal. the Mr. Irrelevant pick. Uh there's I, I don't have much to say here because it honestly wasn't a particularly encouraging year. I honestly I feel like I'm repeating myself from preseason 2021 because I'm saying I'm, I'm thinking all the same things about Gavin Lux that I was saying back then about Carter Keyboom because the only yeah. the I, and that's if you're a listener of In the Deep, you know, Carter Keyboom is effectively a dirty word. Well, uh, do you know my story of Carter Keyboom? No. I do. I do the first pitch podcast, of course, and I remember Carter Keebum got the call, and I predicted that that day Carter Keebum would not only hit a home run, but he would hit it off of Craig Stamen, and that's exactly what happened. That's unreal because, like, <laughs> he's only got like a handful of home runs in his career. Yeah, that was. I think his first home run was yeah, Craig Stamen. I nailed that, it. That's blowing my mind. But <laughs> I digress. Lux, 
the, the, similar to last year's Carter Keeboom, it's been a disappointing career so far. But the things that's standing out, the things that are standing out are his plate discipline numbers. Like the the walks are strong. He doesn't strike out a ridiculous amount. And his plate approach seems good in spite of the underwhelming uh, you know, turns of the plate so far. I was actually really surprised to find out that he had nearly 400 plate appearances this year because I barely heard his name at all. Oh, yeah. Absolutely I could have shocking. And just seven home runs, four stolen bases, 102 games. Right. A, a 122 ISO. Like, where's the power? Where's the speed? Where's the anything? Right. It's like it's like a Wander Franco without the uh, bats of ball skills. Like <laughs> it's Wander Franco without being amazing. Is, yeah. Wander Franco saying? without Wander Franco's <laughs> defining trait. Yes. I mean, look, uh, <laughs> so it's the last pick of the draft. Um, you're super thrilled that you can get someone that maybe becomes a starter every yes. day for the Dodgers. A very good offense. They sky high potential. Chris Taylor might be losing Corey Seager too. They don't know if they're going to, we don't know if they're going to be resigning both of those guys or any of them. And Lux could be the man we thought he would be eventually. And I would say, too, 49 runs and 46 RBI in 381 plate appearances is not as bad as you'd think. Sup, Dodgers lineup. Right? And, I mean, what is that, like 80 in 80 in a full yeah. year? Yeah. Something like that. 75. 80 plus. Like, that's actually, wait, hold on a second. This could be something. That's when he's not performing well. So he still walked 11% of the time. 20% K rate is not so bad. You get another seal of approval here. Ta-da. Yeah. No, that's just if if you hear that anybody is getting everyday plate appearances for the Dodgers, you should roster them. Yeah, pretty much. Full stop. Right. Yeah. So, by the way, I got to look. I got to get the first pitch podcast, but it was the uh, the 29th, I think 26th of 2019 was the Craig Stateman home run uh, from uh, from Carter Keeboom. If you guys can listen to that first pitch podcast somewhere, that's the one. <laughs> That's it. I called that's it. that's ridiculous. That is yeah. completely ridiculous. <laughs> it just is. I mean, I think I did it a couple times. It was like one for five, but that's all right. I think. I don't know. I, that, it was calling out something did, that specific off a specific reliever. <laughs> well, the, I, my thought process was that he would do it his third time up, and who would be the holds guy in the middle or like that guy with the bill? I think like Craig Stamen. That's the only one I could think of on the Padres at the time. <laughs> It just worked out. It was pretty cool. So Kitty Boom always has a place in my heart because of that. But anyway, we made it. Weber, 23 rounds. On a scale of 1 to 23, how would you rank this team? I don't like my pitching staff. So it's it's only like, it's only like a... No. I, I'd give it like a 6. No, come on. Don't give it a 6. I really like my hitting. I love my hitting. So, yeah, so you can't give it a 6. All right, you know, no, not out of ten, it's out of twenty-three. Oh, out of twenty-three. Yes. Uh, oh, what what does that scale to? That's like a so like a fourteen or a thirteen. Sure. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I I don't like the pitching staff. Um, I think with good in-season management, this would be a strong team. Hmm. I think that, but that's most other, fantasy teams. Yeah, I was gonna say the other teams, not so much though. <laughs> the management, they're dead. They're dead. Yeah, no, this I uh, <laughs> I I love my offense. I. I I am very ambivalent about the pitching staff. Well, guess what? I just talked to them. Your offense loves you too. Oh, thanks guys. Very sweet. Um, I would probably give you, yeah, about 14, 15. I don't, I think you've done better with the pitching staff. Some hitters, not so much, but you really did nail it with a good amount of uh, picks. I love the Wheeler one. I love the, I mean, Rodon is good. Should have been our Renata, but still Rendon. Sorry, I should say 
uh, is a good spot. Uh, Frame Race was great. Uh, Ruiz is interesting, but I think I like the right idea. Duval was great. Cruz and Lux are great, but the pieces in between, there could be some ironing out. The Chapman Diaz play, I think, is really cool. I'm probably not, um, I'm not giving that enough credit either. But there you go. That's it, guys. That is the second to last, the penultimate OTC about mock drafts. Uh, I hope you guys have listened to all of them. That would be incredible. You're amazing if you do. Um, I, I hope you enjoyed this series. Schwebs, it's great to finally do a podcast with you. First one. I know. Long time coming. Yeah, really. Really. Definitely listen time. in the deep, of course. Uh, you can find Chris Weber on Twitter at Schwebsy. Sounds like that. S-H-W-E-B-S-I. Definitely say hi to him on the PL Plus Discord if you are there. And thank him profusely for the wonderful environment he has made. But that's going to do it for today. So, Schwebs, thanks so much for being here. My name is Nick Pollock, and I'll talk to you guys next week.